Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Wednesday, July 12th on the Patriots Beat podcast here on CLNS Media Network. I'm Alex Barth. Thanks for tuning in. This week, we break down the defensive unit for the 2017 Patriots. A couple questions I want to get answered as we head into training camp about what is it now? Two and a half, two weeks away. I uh, will also take some questions from you guys, the listeners. I reached out on Twitter. Some of you responded. And I'll make sure you hear what you want to hear. All of that and more coming up on the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and clnsradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. Thank you very much, Larry. Hello, everybody. It's Alex Barth on episode 202 of the Patriot Speed Podcast. Yes, 202. That's Gino Capaletti, Doug Flutie of the Patriots Beat here on CLNS Media Network. Uh, my name is Alex Barth. Uh, this is my first time talking to you guys doing Patriot stuff, so I just wanted to say hello. Uh, following up, Mike obviously did a great job last week breaking down special teams. So following that act, we will talk about defense, my personal favorite. Nothing like a 10-3 to football game for me. Um, in order to break this down, really, here's how I want to do it. We're going to answer three questions over the next half an hour, and hopefully by answering those three questions, uh, we get you guys ready for training camp July 27th. The three things I want to look at with this defense are, first of all, how did it change in the offseason? Um, what should we expect from training camp? What are we going to be zeroing in on when we're sitting on that hill in Foxborough with our roster in our hand in the sweltering heat? And then when we get to the regular season, look, this is going to be an offense-driven team. We all know that. But there's always a couple games on the schedule that you know you have circled as defensive games. Which games are those? Why are those games circled? We'll talk about that. And like I mentioned, after we answer the questions too. After we answer my questions, some Twitter questions from you guys. Real quick before we start, this podcast is brought to you by Blue Apron and Zip Recruiter. We are being hosted on clnsmedia.com. Alright, let's do this. So off-season. Off-season, big off-season for the defense, not as much for the offense. The big addition, the one that has everybody buzzing, Stephon Gilmore, the cornerback, got him from the Bills, free agent, paid a pretty penny for him, nearing $15 million a year uh, to go opposite Malcolm Butler, who we'll get into a bit. Personally, I wasn't that into this signing. I'm still not totally sold. 
when they signed him, my impression was, okay, Ryan's gone, Logan Ryan's gone, which he ended up leaving. You're probably giving him about eight, nine million dollars for one year to play opposite Butler. He's a good number two. He's a so-so number one. When I saw the money, obviously that's not the case. You think Butler's gone again, we'll get into it, but this guy, uh, Stephon Gilmore, they're gonna count on him. And Buffalo did that a lot last year. We all know the play where he got burned by Chris Hogan down the sideline in Buffalo. He can't be doing that in New England. Before Hogan's even in the end zone, he has his hands on his head yelling at one of the safeties. You have to be more accountable than that for Belichick. Now, will he be? I mean, he absolutely could. It wouldn't be the first time a guy has changed, but they've got... I mean, when you talk about getting a guy in the system, that's a guy that needs to get in the system. Fantastic player. We'll get into him more, obviously, as we go on throughout the show. Um, he does fit a need for them in terms of a jump ball corner. I don't want to call him a deep ball corner because, again, he does have a tendency to get beat. He's a bump and run guy. But a, a jump uh, jump ball guy, a guy you can you know, go up against a guy like Julio Jones. We saw what he did in the Super Bowl last year. That's not – and Malcolm Butler is a great corner. That's not Malcolm Butler's guy. Malcolm Butler needs to be on Muhammad Sanu in those games. So Stephon Gilmore, a good signing. Coney Ely, another one. This I thought probably for the value, the best addition this offseason. They moved down, I think it was ultimately seven spots. They swapped seconds and they got back a sixth, uh, I believe was the trade. I, I know they ended up giving up a second, late second, moving early into the third. But Ely's a guy I've been a fan of um, since the last Super Bowl, Super Bowl 50. Burst on the scene at that big game. I think if Carolina wins that game, he's in the MVP chase. He was after Peyton all night. Uh, very Belichick guy. He's listed as a defensive tackle. I wouldn't be shocked if he lines up on the edge a little bit. A sneaky good pass rusher for his size. And the pass rush is going to be a focus point throughout the next 30 minutes. And he, he is the big pass rush addition for me. And what makes him so so dangerous isn't just his skill, which he has. But like I said, you can line him up on four spots along the defensive line. And teams are going to have to pick him out on third downs. I don't think he'll be a three-down player necessarily on defense. Partially just because of the depth that they have and the choices they have, the personnel at that position. But Ely, I think, a great get. Another great get, you talk about value, David Harris, linebacker from the Jets. Comes over in free agency. Jets wanted him to take a discount, didn't want to take a discount. Comes to New England to win. This is a brilliant football player. This is a durable football player. He's missed one game, I think, in the last seven years. It's one game in the last insane number of years. That I know for sure. He's smart. He's the perfect guy to play opposite Hightower because he is a true middle linebacker. Hightower can now play on the outside. He can rush the pass for a little more. His pass rush statistics, his pass rush metrics are fantastic. I won't bore you by reading off numbers. You can Google it if you want, but... um Makes Hightower a better player. That is most of what I like about the, the David Harris signing. It's less David Harris. He's a good football player. But by having a player with David Harris' skill set, it opens up Donta Hightower all over the field, which is going to be big. And, you know, Harris is a good player, too, and we know how thin they are at linebacker, Hightower, a pension to get hurt. I would expect Harris to start a couple games this year. I'm not counting on Hightower playing 16 games. If he does, fantastic. But I think they're planning on him maybe missing a couple one other free agent, Lawrence Guy, another kind of a, a lesser Coney Ely can move him along the defensive line, a free agent from Baltimore. Seems like he's bought into the system. You talk about a system guy in all his interviews, saying the right thing, should make the team, again, maybe maybe some injury insurance 
for Coney Ely. So I mentioned a couple of these guys uh, earlier when I was mentioning the auditions. The guys they retained, almost just as important, Malcolm Butler coming back to New England. A great deal for the Patriots. Uh, now, I'm sorry if any Malcolm Butler fans, I don't want to break your heart. This is last year in New England. It is. I mean, for all intents and purposes, there's no reason he won't go elsewhere next year. But he did the right thing staying. This is going to work out for both him and the team. He's putting a little money on the table. I think he, I think I saw a story that he has injury insurance. He should. Put a little money on the table, but if he can go out in this defense in which he is incredibly protected, you got Stephon Gilmore on the other side, you got the great safeties, McCourty, Harmon behind him. Great, maybe not on Harmon, but you've got a good safety core behind you, a great pass rush. Protected in this defense, if he stays and can play like he played last year, we may be looking at the first $20 million a year corner, not guaranteed total, $20 million a year corner in the NFL. If Gilmore gets 15, you're going to have a, a big cap rise next season, a big cap increase is due. I could see a team getting stupid and offering him, you know, 19 and a half, 20 million. But one more year on a guy that needs to have a big season, uh, Belichick will take it. It's very similar to what Asante Samuel did a couple years ago. Stayed as an RFA for one year. On a great defense, was protected, had a good season. There was no way to really see major flaws in his game, and he went and got paid by the Eagles. So similar for Malcolm Butler here, Gilmore is a nice piece, um, and we'll see next year if the Richard Sherman rumors pop back up, what they do in the draft, whatever. Malcolm Butler, big retention even just for the one year. I talked about Dante Hightower getting him back at a contract I think they really liked, didn't have the money out there, he thought he was looking for. I was surprised. I thought he was going to Tennessee, going to play at home. They need a guy like that. I thought they'd give him a big contract, but I think the injury issue just caught up with him. Jerron Harmon's retained, so that's a big one. Best center fielder in the NFL, I like to call him. Ultimately, when you go to that three-safety set, with the, which the Patriots love to do, he's going to be that third safety this year. They got him in a very team-friendly deal. I thought that was another guy who was going to go. Uh, like Martellus Bennett said, they pay Super Bowl winners. I thought he was going to get paid like a Super Bowl winner. Alan Branch, Uncle Phil back in the house. I think for him, it was either come back or retire. And the the biggest one, honestly, for me, and I mean, this is right up there with Butler. Matt Patricia is coming back. Now, they're retaining their whole coaching staff, offense, defense, special teams, everybody. But Matt Patricia, a lot of people thought he might be headed to L.A., whether it be the Rams or the Chargers. He's back. And that is big. We saw really last year the effect he has, what kind of defensive mind he is, and the trust Belichick puts in him. So him coming back, not taking a head coaching job, that's going to help just as much as any player. Now, of course, with games, there are losses. But really, the Patriots kind of made that okay. They definitely netted a game. Logan Ryan, in terms of snaps, played probably their biggest loss. Uh, for those of you who know me, I'm not the biggest Logan Ryan fan. I'm fine seeing him go. Uh, he's a bump-and-run corner without the bump. He tends to just play 10 yards off the guy, make the tackle. He's a great tackler for a corner. I think he should go the Devin McCourty route and play safety. I think he'd be an outstanding safety. But he's in Tennessee now. Uh, Chris Long goes to the Eagles, and, you know, he didn't want to come back. He wanted to be an every-down player. He wasn't going to be one here. Gets a good contract. A lot of these guys wanted one-year ring. Chris Long is a great Patriot. He made some huge plays, the strip against the Jets to win the regular season game. Of course, he drew the hold in the Super Bowl. I think that will be his lasting impression on New England. Patriots fans should be happy for him. He's in a good spot to succeed. Uh, but he, he is gone. He's been replaced. And Jabal Sheard as well, who kind of faltered at the end of last year. He signs with the Colts, so he gets in the middle of that mess. 
And other than that, you know, negligible pieces. Those are really the only three guys that, that played significant minutes last year on defense. Again, this is uh, just a defensive preview here on Patriots Beat. Really the only three defensive guys that are gone. So three more additions I want to talk about real quick here before we throw it to a break. Uh, and that's the draft. I thought the Patriots killed the draft. I had Derek Rivers going to them in February. He is such a perfect fit for this team. He can play the edge. Uh, down a hand, standing up. Every year the Patriots kind of have that guy that is absent the first half of the season, and he gets like week 10, and all of a sudden they, they come in. Akeem Ayers is one of those guys. I think Rivers could be that guy. Harvey Lange is an interesting guy to watch, a UDFA from BYU. They paid him a lot of money. Again, linebackers still kind of up in the air. David Harris maybe bumps him off the roster, but a guy to keep an eye on. Dietrich Wise Jr., defensive end from Arkansas, uh, probably could have gone a little higher, had some injury issues. So those are the guys the Patriots are bringing in the fold. Now, how do those additions fit in? Where do the puzzle pieces all go? How does Belichick use his new toys? If you hang out for 30 seconds here, I'm going to tell you. You're listening to Patriots Beat, powered by CLNS Media. I'm Alex Barth. Keep it right here. Not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference in your food, so it's important to know where those ingredients come from. I know for me personally, having a pretty fast-paced lifestyle and always being on the go, it's sometimes hard for me to find time to get to the store and shop. And even when I can get there, sometimes, frankly, it's hard to afford those quality ingredients. But that's where Blue Apron comes in. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, so they only set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. So whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, just to name a few, Blue Apron is simply bringing you the best. New recipes are created weekly, and they're not repeated within a single calendar year, so you're always getting something new and exciting. You can even customize your recipes for each week based on your preferences, and choose a delivery option that fits your needs. And the best part, each meal comes with step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe cards and pre-portioned ingredients, and all can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com patriots. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. Again, that's blueapron.com patriots to get your first three meals for free with free shipping. That's blueapron.com slash patriots. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Welcome back to Patriots Beat. I'm Alex Barth. You're listening on CLNS Media. Thank you for tuning in as we continue to break down the 2017 Patriots defense. And we move from the offseason to training camp. Love training camp. Love, uh, if you know what you're watching at a football practice, if you ever talk to a coach or a guy who's covered a team for a long time, Pick their brains on how to watch a football practice. There is an art to it. And I sound like a football snob, and I kind of am, so it's fine. But I love training camp. I love watching these practices. If you know what you're looking for, you're going to learn a lot about the team. So let's talk about it a little bit. Let's talk about some of these position battles. I'm not going to waste your time on, you know, what to watch from Donta Hightower, what to watch from Malcolm Butler. We know what these guys are going to do. Um, let's, let's, let's get into some nitty gritty. And some of these guys already talked about the rookies. Some of them I'm going to bring up for the first time. Let's go position by position. Let's start on the front. So the front's pretty set. You know, you have Valentine Brown branch in the middle. Um, the rookies, they bring in Rivers. It was their top pick. His second round pick. I would call him a lock. 
the edge guys as well, Trey Flowers. But then you have some guys that were on the team last year that are going to be fighting for a spot. And personally, I'm looking at Geno Grissom and Woodrow Hamilton. Both got a lot of time in the preseason, a few snaps here and there in the regular season. These are guys that don't seem to have an identity to me. They're good football players, but for Belichick, I feel like he wants guys that have an identity. These guys don't really stand out as situational football players. They just do everything a little bit. You're saying, oh, well, Belichick loves guys who can do a little bit of everything. Uh, Yes, but these you, you still need to have a standout ability, a standout trait. Grissom and Hamilton, to me, are just roster bodies. Now, on another team, they're probably key cogs. But everything they can do kind of well, the Patriots have a guy who can do well. And that is where maybe Belichick moves on and says, all right, I've seen you for two or three years. Let me bring in somebody else who's maybe at the same ability level, but is a little younger and still has a chance to grow. So we'll start with Dietrich Wise Jr., uh, his defensive end from Arkansas. I just talked about him before the break, fourth-round pick. 6'5", 274, played hand down in college. He's kind of in between. If he loses 15 to 20 pounds, he could be a linebacker. He has the speed for it. If not, he's going to be a hand-in-the-ground guy. He has some injury history is his big thing. And, and stop me, you know, if there's a broken record. Defensive end, Arkansas Patriots taking the fourth round. Injury history, we're talking about Jake Beckett, uh, who never really saw the field despite switching positions, what, twice? He went defensive end to tight end, and I think he went back to defensive end at the end before he got cut. But, you know, Wise, from the tape I've seen, he's a good player, very high motor. But he just, he crumbles. He, I'm not sure if he has enough durability to make it in the NFL. And he could be one of these guys where, you know, Belichick's going to try to slip him on IR. He's not going to make it to the practice squad. Fourth round pick. Slip him on IR. Give him the year to get his body in shape. But with a good camp, with a fourth round pick grade, he could absolutely slip into a role. So between those three guys, uh, obviously the guys are already on the team. It's their job to lose. Wise probably is the most to win in camp as an edge guy. And they have a lot of edge guys. But with Wise, uh, you know, a good camp for him can go a long way. He probably has the most to gain and the most to lose. But he could also be one of these guys that, you know, two days in a camp, phantom injury, we don't see him again for a year. That was Trey Flowers a couple years ago. He had no case start to camp. Absolutely killed it for a quarter in the preseason against Green Bay. Laid out Aaron Rodgers. Beautiful sack. And then he got hurt later in the game, and we didn't see him for the year. And it worked out well. He got to develop his game kind of away from the spotlight. And I think he's going to have a huge year this year. I really do. Uh, I think that he, he's going to take that next step. I've loved him since that Packers game, since before that Packers game. Again, a guy, a guy I saw in camp that jumped off the paper for me. So is Dietrich Wise the next Trey Flowers? Is he the next Jake Beckett? And those are two completely different things to throw out, but... You know, it's hot takes. It's it's July. We're not getting into the nitty-gritty yet. One other guy on the D-line uh, I'm watching is, is Josh Augusta. So an undrafted free agent from Missouri. Stands at 6'4". He's listed at 300. Now, if he's 300, Dustin Pedroia is 6'4". This, this is a big dude. His, his biggest strength, according to his NFL.com draft profile, is he's a mountainous man. And the story on him, he had a fascinating backstory, was a 260, 280-pound wide receiver in high school. 
went to college as a tight end to Missouri on a tight end scholarship, got away from home, and he was living on his own for the first time, and he discovered that he could eat whenever he wanted. Packed on about, you know, 30, 40 pounds. Suddenly he's playing in the mid-300s, moves to the defensive line, plays well, but he keeps putting on weight. And the book around him at the draft was, if he could control his weight, he would have been, you know, probably a day-two draft pick. But teams really aren't confident in the fact he control it. You know, you can play at 350 if you really take care of yourself. You can play at 350. You can't play at 380. And I'm not saying he's 380 right now, but I think teams are worried about him eating himself into 380 before the season ends. But, you know, discipline's the issue. No better place for him to be than New England. If he can cut some, some weight, get it down about 325, 330, to go along with Malcolm Brown, Alan Branch, who's on a short deal, probably on his way out. Vincent Valentine, he could be a nice piece. So with him, it's less the ability. Uh, let's see if he's looking Pablo Sandoval like at the beginning of training camp. The linebackers, this is the position for me really the most. This is going to be the most interesting position on the defensive training camp. Because there are some names on here that are on the roster bubble that you know and you know well. I mean, we'll start with the first two, Trevor Bates, I think, outside looking in, undrafted free agent last year. Belichick likes him for special teams ability. And Harvey Lange, who I mentioned, undrafted free agent from BYU. They paid him more than you normally pay UDFA. They like his mental makeup. He can play some fullback as well. Remember how much trouble they got a couple years ago when James Devlin got hurt. So to have a James Devlin backup on the roster could be big. But I think... Um, I think the addition of David Harris is going to put the nail in the coffin for him. So here's three guys now that you know. And I do not think all three of these guys make the team. Jonathan Freeney. We'll start Jonathan Freeney. Two years ago, was a big part of the defense. Played a lot when Hightower got hurt. Uh, got hurt this past 2016 season. And training camp was out for the year. Belichick loves him some Jonathan Freeney. I can't tell you why. I frankly don't think the guy's that good. Um, I don't think he's a fit for their defense. He can't cover. He he is intelligent, but going from the brain to the muscles, just something gets lost. And he looks out of place out there. And Harris is definitely an upgrade over him. I would think he's on the outside looking. I would think he would need a spectacular camp to make it. They can cut him, save some money. So for Jonathan Freeney, coming off that big injury, I think there's a long way to go for him. Shea McClellan is a guy I think might be in a little bit of trouble. If they decide to keep Lange, go Young. He's a very similar guy to McClellan. He's got speed. He can cover. And look, you can't jump over the center anymore on field goals. So what good is McClellan going to do him? He's one of the slowest linebackers I've ever seen. Now, he can cover a little bit despite his speed. He makes up for it. He's got great instincts. He's a good pass rusher. But he just, I don't think he was last year what the team was expecting him to be. He didn't play much at times. I know he played down the stretch, but there would be three, four game stints where you really wouldn't see him except on special teams. Even on special teams, he didn't stand out. And the final one, and this is kind of my, you know, sound the hot take horn, but a guy who, as of right now, is listed as a starting linebacker on their depth chart with Shane McClellan behind him, um, but I think is a defensive end. We talked about a deep there at defensive end is Rob Ninkovich. Now, if they got cut Ninkovich before the season, they get $5 million back in cap. So right there, I mean, Belichick sees that. That gives him all the reason in the world to do it. He's into his 30s. He's coming off a season where he really wasn't himself. 
He had the shoulder injury, or what was it, pectoral injury last year. The um, PED suspension, which I know some people think it was Belichick getting him suspended instead of on the PUP, so he, or, so he didn't count against the roster. I might buy into that, I might not, but, you know, they got some young guys, Wise, Rivers, they've got some young guys coming for that edge rusher spot, that hybrid linebacker stand-up guy. Even Flowers, heard he lost a little weight, maybe, maybe could edge out Ninkovich. They've got defensive ends, they've got Ely, they've got Lawrence Guy. What's keeping Ninkovich here right now is his reputation. Now, until last year, he never missed a practice. He is the consummate patriot. Dude comes up every day, brings his lunch pail to work, grinds it out, full practice, full game, whatever. And another training camp like that, and I think he'll be good. I think Rod Ninkovich makes the team. I would say better odds than not. But there's always that one cut. Belichick always gets us. And it would not shock me if Rob Ninkovich is that guy. Wouldn't shock me. The money on the table, the age factor, the injury factor. And he doesn't really have value anywhere else. He is a Patriot system guy. So we'll see. But that's my linebacker bubble. Real quick defensive backs. I mean, I think it's kind of cut and dry in terms of guys who have been here. They, they didn't draft any defensive backs. There's one rookie, uh, DJ Killings, I want to get into in a little bit, but not right now. Uh, Jordan Richards really the only guy for me. Uh, safety that drafted from Stanford a couple years ago. One of these second round safeties Belichick takes who aren't supposed to get drafted from the Tavon Wilson breed. Um, I liked Richards out of college. Smart player. Just kind of never developed that physical level. Now Chung's getting older. McCourty's getting older. Does Belichick want to keep a safety who's been in the system? Maybe as Richards enters the last year of his contract. But yeah, I don't think he's the guy. And if they need a roster spot, you know, he'd be an easy cut. They're plenty deep in the defensive backfield. If they keep him, it's not for this year. Doesn't really play special teams. Uh, has been a non-factor. Has been one of the more disappointing draft picks in the last couple of years. So there's some names for you guys to keep an eye on. Uh, training camp, Josh Augusta, Geno Grissom, Woodrow Hamilton, Dietrich Wise, Trevor Bates, Jonathan Freeney, Shane McClellan, Rob Ninkovich, and Jordan Richards. Those are the guys to keep an eye on. Because obviously we know, like, look, I could sit here and talk to you guys about what I'm expecting from Malcolm Butler, um, what I'm expecting from uh, Donta Hightower. They're going to be, you know, those are going to be Pro Bowl guys. Those are going to be borderline all-pro guys. Trey Flowers, borderline all-pro guy. We all know that. I think you're smart in that. I'm giving you some credit. Let's get into some nitty-gritty. And when we come back on the other side, we will do that with the regular season schedule. Which dates on the calendar should you circle to take the under? Defensive-focused games. On the other side, this is Patriots Beat. I'm Alex Barth. Keep it right here. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio immediately after every single pass game, call in at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and stars of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champions. 
Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots Post Game Show on iTunes and Stitcher. And the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Welcome back to Patriots Beat, powered by CLNS Media. I'm Alex Barth. We're breaking down the 2017 Patriots defense. We just talked some training camp, some borderline roster guys, who to keep an eye on. Again, we're doing a little nitty-gritty. Some real, you know, as Mike Felger would say, on your own time stuff with the Patriots here. But let's look at the regular season schedule. We all know that when you look at that schedule, you're seeing, okay, who's the key player week one? Tom Brady. Week two, Tom Brady. Week three, Tom Brady. Week 15, Tom Brady. Uh, divisional round of playoffs, Tom Brady. But there are games that you look at and say, all right, we need the defense here more than we would need them another week. So which games on the schedule should you circle? Let's go through it. And the first one for me is week two at New Orleans. It's a Sunday game, September 17th. And we all know. I mean, it's New Orleans. It's Drew Brees. It's in the Superdome. You're going to need to contain them in that game. That is going to be a shootout. And I'll take Tom Brady in a shootout over any other quarterback. But the defense needs to do something. That's going to be the game where we're sitting there in the fourth quarter. Patriots up, you know, four, seven points. Defense has been almost there, not quite all day. And we're just waiting for that turnover. And that's the game we're going to need. You know, the center field pick from Deron Horman, the big strip sack from Flowers, Hightower, whoever. Saints game is going to be a big game. I'm not saying they're going to necessarily have a great game in that because, come on, it's your breeze. But big game for the defense. And, hey, they don't have to defend Brandon Cooks, so that's pretty good. Uh, next big defensive game for me. The biggest test, I think, for the defense this year comes a couple weeks later, same division, on the road, a Thursday night game. Against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is week five. That's in Tampa. And I, what I, first thing I always think, Thursday night game. The home team wins that game more often, uh, than, than, you know, say on a Sunday. The winning percentage for the home team is even higher on Thursdays than on Sundays. Advantage Tampa. They also have Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. I mean, Evans and Jackson, I, when I saw that, and I was actually just talking with somebody about this, uh, somebody was telling me Mike Evans could be a top three receiver this year. And if he is, it's because Deshaun Jackson's on the other side of the ball. Look, Deshaun Jackson was in kind of a mess in Washington. That team, that team should have won 11 games last year. That team had a great offense, a fantastic offense, and it was just a mess. And then they let Deshaun Jackson go, which was probably for the best. They needed to kind of reset. But still one of the fastest, if not the fastest, receiver in football. Can go up and get it with anybody else. And that's just a matchup nightmare. Look, you're going to have Eric Rowe with safety help over the top on one of those guys, ordinarily. Whether it's Evans or it's Jackson. But you have to get another one of those guys, too. I mean, you have two legit stud number one deep threat wide receivers with a rocket arm quarterback in Jameis Winston. If you can't tell him very high on the Buccaneers this year. Um, at least their offense. Adding Gilmore is big for that game. It gives you some size. I think you put him on Evans in that game a little bit slower. And you go Rowe with McCourty over the top on Jackson. 
and you put Butler in the slot on Adam Humphreys. That's how I would line that up, you know, a couple weeks out. Things can change. A couple weeks out, a couple months out. But that that game, and again, that's week five. That's a game I have circled as kind of an hand for the Patriots. That We're going to learn a lot about the defense from that game. We are going to learn a lot about that. I cannot wait to come on the pregame show uh, the next week, which will be against the Jets. So <laughs> We'll have a lot of fun that week. Um, again, I'll be hosting pregame show this year, hour before kickoff, clnsmedia.com. I cannot wait to come on the pregame show the week after the Bucks game and talk about how that went. Because if they can hold them to under 300 passing yards in that game, that's huge. That is huge, guys. Jackson and Evans, under 300 yards. I mean, that's that's the worst matchup in football. I, I don't care about Beckham and Marshall. Because they have Eli Manning throwing them the ball. And they're also, they're not as good. They are not, Beckham is probably better than either of the two guys in Tampa. But you add them together, give me Evans and Jackson over Beckham and, and Marshall any day. So that's going to be a fun one, the Tampa Bay one. Obviously, Atlanta's going to be a test. Super Bowl rematch. It's week seven, Sunday night. And kind of the same thing. Gabriel, Sanu, obviously Julio Jones. You got the two running backs as well. The running backs factor in that one. Although I wouldn't be surprised. You'll probably see Gilmore on Jones. Outside of that, same defense in the second half of that Super Bowl. I mean, that's going to be the pass rushes game to win. That one's going to be one up front. And then one more game I'm looking at. Uh, it's actually, it's two games. But it's the same thought. And it's at Denver and then versus, in air quotes, Oakland. That game is in Mexico City on a Sunday. That's back-to-back weeks. So he'll be out in the Rockies, high altitude, back-to-back weeks. Denver always kills them. Great offense in Oakland. The defense is going to need to win them one of those two. I'm frankly not expecting them to win both of those games. I think they take Denver. They're beat by the time they get to Oakland. They're exhausted. They're up in the altitude. Oakland gets them close, but specifically that Oakland game, the de- they're going to need the defense because we know what Brady is at high altitude. It's his kryptonite. Lack of air is Tom Brady's kryptonite. Go figure. And in Mexico City, you know, different environment. The defense is going to need to get after Derek Carr. Amari Cooper obviously is always an issue, and I think that'll be a big Malcolm Butler game. I think Butler is a great matchup on on. Cooper, uh, not that Gilmore isn't, but I think that's a Butler guy because they'll be moving them around on the one and the two all season. You know, you, you, it's not going to be the one number one corner, number two corner. When they play the Steelers, Antonio Brown, that's Malcolm Butler's guy. But like I said, when they play the Buccaneers, Malcolm Butler's probably in the slot. Uh, when they play Houston, you're probably going to see Gilmore on DeAndre Hopkins. Butler probably draws Will Fuller or Brack, Braxton Miller. And you're going to on the other one. That's going to be a tough one for him too, matchup-wise, but... Pass rush will take care of that. I'm not too worried about that one. Uh, Bills, Jarvis Landry is Butler. Uh, I'm probably putting Gilmore on Sammy Watkins. Uh, did I say Bills, Dolphins? Jarvis Landry, Malcolm Butler, Bills, Sammy Watkins. I'm getting ahead of myself here. That's Gilmore. But yeah, so a couple games to keep an eye on for the defenses here. Week 2 against the Saints. Week 5 against the Bucks. Week 7 against the Falcons. And then I don't have my schedule numbered because I didn't prepare as well as I should have. It's the first time I've done that, though, so that's good. Uh, back-to-back weeks against Denver and Oakland, I think, uh, especially the Oakland one. Keep an eye on the defense in that one. All right, when we come back on the other side, we're just about wrapped up, but 
I know you guys have questions too. I posted on Twitter this week asking what you guys wanted me to talk about. I got some answers. We'll get into that. Keep it right here. You are listening to Patriots Beat, powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio immediately after every single pass game, call in at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and stars of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion. Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher, and the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Welcome back to Patriots Beat, powered by CLNS Media. My name is Alex Barth. Thanks for giving us a listen. Make sure you follow us on all of the social medias. Uh, we are on Twitter at Patriots underscore Beat at CLNS Media, on Facebook, facebook.com backslash CLNS Media, and of course on CLNSmedia.com. Speaking of social media, I reached out on Twitter this week. I wanted to see if you guys had any questions, you guys had anything you wanted me to talk about defense-wise. I kind of took some macro topics, so we'll get a little more specific here. Our first question from Twitter uh, comes from Steve. Thanks for the question, Steve. He wants to know, Steve says, no matter how talented the Patriots defense is, they get contributions seemingly out of nowhere. What position and who can we expect these from? So, Steve, that's a great question. Uh, I'll start off with Derek Rivers. I kind of talked about it before. He's a rookie. He's going to need to work his way in. There's always that one guy, I think, like what I said earlier, is what Steve's talking about. You don't hear from him the first couple weeks, first half of the season. He gets to like week 10, and all of a sudden he's an important part of the team, whether it be offense or defense. So I think that Derek Rivers is that guy that they're going to phase in throughout the year. And a guy I mentioned very briefly earlier, very briefly, but I want to get into is DJ Killings. DJ Killings undrafted corner. From Iowa State, not a lot has been said about him. But you look at the Patriots the last couple of years on drafted corners. Go back two years, Malcolm Butler. Or three years, Malcolm Butler. Uh, and then last year, Craven LeBlanc, even though they ended up cutting him, which I think was a mistake, ended up being a pretty good corner for the Chicago Bears until he got hurt. A legitimate number two NFL corner. They didn't have a number one. That was part of their problem. But, you know, a good player in Craven LeBlanc and then... Of course, Jonathan Jones ended up being a good player for them last year when Cy Jones didn't live up to the hype. Justin Coleman, another one. So I'll give you a couple of rookies there, Steve. I'll give you Derek Rivers. That's probably the easier one. And keep an eye on DJ Killings because if he does make the team, he's going to be a factor. And they have hit on undrafted corners the last couple of years. I think it's part of the reason they didn't draft one this year, and they haven't. Um, they feel like they can go and find those guys without using a draft pick, so... DJ Killings, Derek Rivers. Our next question comes from Reed. Uh, Reed wants to know. Reed says, what do we have to do to stop giving up 20-plus yard plays on third down? We seem to let them up every game. Well, Reed, you're kind of right. Um, I'm going to expand on this, though, a little bit if you don't mind here. Let's just talk about the Patriots defense giving up big plays in general, not just third down. Big plays, which is their issue. When you play a bend-don't-break defense, you're conceding the little stuff because you're assuming you won't give up the big play. So when you do, it hurts that much more. There were two games. So when I saw this question, there were two games that popped into my mind. 
Uh, the Seattle game that they lost, uh, it was a Sunday night at Gillette. And, of course, Super Bowl, Falcons game, the first half. And what killed them in those games, and I'm sorry to be oh, secondary sucks. We need to fix secondary. It's the pass rush that gets them. When the pass rush is stagnant with this team, because it's a bend-don't-break, and the defensive backs are protecting against the short stuff, the wide receivers can run around all day, and the quarterback will find them. So what do they need to do to stop giving up big plays, especially on third down read? What do they need to do? They need to get that pass rush going, pin those ears back, and go. And their pass rush is better than it was last year. They added Ely, which is huge. No reason Allen Brand should be rushing on third down. Even Malcolm Brown, Vincent Valentine, they're okay for defensive tackles at pass rushing. This is a defensive tackle-sized defensive end in Coney Ely who's going to get at the quarterback. Trey Flowers, another year of experience. He's going to be better. I talked about being able to play Donta Hightower off the ball, off the edge. He can rush more. That's going to make a difference. Derek Rivers, their pass rush is improved. And that, I'm not saying they're not going to give up any big plays this year. Third and 20 might still be tough every once in a while. Look, it's a long season. But, what do they need to do to avoid giving up the big play? Work on that pass rush, and they did it. I think less big plays this year. That being said, I want to throw one caveat on that. They do have a more big play opponent schedule this year. I mean, NFC South, Saints, Buccaneers, Panthers, and Falcons, those are all big play teams. Oakland's a big play team. Steelers with Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. I mean, they have some big play teams on their schedule. So it'll be interesting. But they definitely have focused on, okay, well, if we're going to play a bend-don't-break, if we're going to be that way, if we're going to scheme our secondary the way we do, we need a better pass rush. We need guys who are going to get to the quarterback in three seconds, not five, who aren't going to let Russell Wilson get outside of the pocket and get all the way to the sideline and find Doug Baldwin wide open. And they they, they have, I mean, look, they don't have Vaughn Miller. They don't have Khalil Mack. Could Trey Flowers be that guy? Not this year, but he's going to be good. Could Derek Rivers be that guy? Certainly not this year, probably not next year either, but he's going to be a factor. Cody Ealy's going to be good. We saw him in the Super Bowl against Denver. I mean, that's who he is. You watch the tape, that's who he is. He didn't disappear because of ability. Carolina stopped playing him because he wasn't a scheme fit. It didn't work with Keekly, and that defense revolves around Keekly. Kind of like when the Browns let Sheard go. Scheme fit. He came here, he was great for like a year and a half. But all you need is a year, and you get the six rings. So, yeah, uh, should be better off against the big play. One more question. This is actually texted in from Pat. He doesn't have Twitter, but knew I was doing this, and I love this question from Pat. Pat says, is there any one guy who can get too emotional or too heated and screw up locker room chemistry? Now, Pat, it's a Belichick team, so I'm going to say no but. The, screw up the locker room chemistry, get heated, that that part's a no. Now, are there guys I'm worried about mentality-wise? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of them, uh, this probably isn't the biggest one, but one of them is Dante Hightower. Didn't get as much money as he wanted. Look, he's won two national championships, two Super Bowls. The guy loves winning. He's a Nick Saban product. He's an Alabama product. But, I mean, how much motivation can he have? Like, what more does he have to do? He's done everything. He's seen it all. I think he'll come out guns blazing, but uh the one for me is Malcolm Butler. And I talked about this at the top of the show. 
yes, he needs a big year to get paid. But at the same time, is there some resentment towards the Patriots for not extending him, not allowing him to go to New Orleans, not even giving him a raise off the RSA contract, or FA contract, pardon me. Is he going to say, you know what? I'm just, I'm not going to hurt. I'm not going to bust my ass. I'm not going to risk getting hurt when I got a big payday on the line in nine months. What's his mindset going to be? That's the one, and I personally, from everything I've heard about him, from interviews I've seen, the way he acts, no, the dude's a competitor, he's a team player, he's going to come out, give 100%, he's going to be a key part of this defense this year. But it's not unrealistic to wonder, it's not unrealistic to say, you know, what does he owe the Patriots at this point? Why why would he go all out when if he gets hurt, it's going to cost him, like I said, I think twenty, possibly $20 million a year. So, it will be interesting to see his mentality, and that's one of those things, watching training camp. Is he kind of standing off to the side? Is he one of the first ones back in the locker room? Or is he is he working? Because Gilmore is going to work a lot. One more point, actually, just to go back to the uh, deep play thing with Gilmore. A lot of people are saying he's going to solve their deep play issues. Go back and watch the game that the Patriots played the Bills last year. Watch him get burned by Chris Hogan. He's a bump-and-run corner. He's a big at-the-line corner. His Twitter handle is bump-and-run-Gilmore for a reason. Not a deep play corner. He gets lost. He gets beat. He's got to keep guys in front of him. And that's why they need Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler's the opposite. He's not an at-the-line corner. He can keep up with guys down the field. So they need both of these guys. And next year when Butler leaves, it's not good enough to just have Gilmore. You need a replacement. There's no other top two corner on this team right now. Unless Killings or Jones makes a huge jump, or Cyrus Jones makes a huge jump. There's no number two. Cyrus Jones to another guy, you don't know what he's going to be like mentally. He was a mess last year. I know Mike talked about it a little bit last week. I personally, I'm, I'm an Alabama fan. I love Cyrus Jones coming out. I thought that was a great pick. But if I never see him return another kick, it'll be too soon. On that note, a few quick reminders before we wrap it up. Patriots' first preseason game is August 10th. They'll host the Jacksonville Jaguars. Pre-game an hour before kickoff, I'll be hosting you for that. Post-game immediately following the game, you can call in the post-game at 929-477-2386. And listen live on the clnsmedia.com website. Make sure to check out the pre-game and post-game shows all season long post game show with Mike and Marvin airs live after every single Patriots game on clnsmedia.com. The call in number for that again, write it down, 929-477-2386. You can listen live on clnsmedia.com. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher to get all our stuff. You can get daily team updates on the Patriots news feed podcast, which is available on the CLNS Media New England Patriots post game show feed. Available again on iTunes and Stitcher and on the CLNS Media mobile app. A couple thank yous here before we finally sign off. Sponsors, first and foremost, Blue Apron and ZipRecruiter. Patriots content manager Michael Longi, CLNS Media executive producer Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. Make sure to come back next week. Mike will break down the offense for the Patriots. That's going to be a fun one. Until then, this is Alex Barth, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast. Powered by CLNS Media.